was speaking with a, a visitor out in the hallway and, and uh, being reminded that uh, it really just seems like yesterday when we bought this place. We're still renovating, fixing, and trying to figure out on the stage where things go. And it seemed like uh, the other day we were in the dark, and now we have a bunch of lights we can see, and, which is a good thing, but now we see even more things we need to keep working on and fixing. And, good reminder of our of our characters as well as Jesus keeps shining the light on us we keep seeing more and more areas where we can grow closer to Jesus so why don't we begin with the word of prayer and then we can uh, continue with this service father in heaven we ask that you would just continue to guide as we enter into the sermon portion of the service May your presence be with not only me as I speak, but may your presence be with all of those online watching live and also delayed. And may you be with all of us here who are in this place this morning. May you touch every mind and help them hear what you want them to hear. You're a really good communicator. We thank you for being able to, to do this. In Jesus' name we pray. Our scripture reading for this morning will be found in the Gospel of John 17, if you'll turn with me there in your Bible or smartphone or tablet, John 17. We continue our series on the foundation. Today we're going to be talking about the Bible in particular. John 17, verses 1 through 3 is where we'll start. John 17, verse 1, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven, and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him all authority over all the flesh, to give eternal life to whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. To gain better health, we spend time and money at health clubs, lifting weights, exercising, doing aerobics, swimming, some people do basketball. We work our way to better health. Some people spend several thousand dollars a year at health clubs. And they can spend several hundred hours a year exercising. Other people, they want to gain a better income. So they spend, on average, I think the current average in America now is to go to a college, the average price is over $28,000 a year in the hopes that you'll be able to graduate in four years and get a better and you can easily spend over a thousand hours a year, not even counting summer school when you're in college. Reading, writing, learning, listening, testing, working your way to a better income. When it comes to <coughs> connecting something that's popular today, whether you call it networking or relationships or connecting with people, we spend a lot of time and money Zooming, texting, TikToking, Facebooking, calling, emailing, eating together, talking, listening, and so much more in the hopes that we will work at getting.
getting better connected. And you can spend thousands and thousands of dollars doing that. Just television alone, the average American, according to statistics, the average American spends six hours a day watching television. Six hours. Some of you might be thinking, well, I, I don't even spend two. <laughs> then apparently somebody else is watching even more. And if you put all those kind of things together, what we call connecting with other people, that would add up to eight, nine, ten, eleven thousand hours a year or more. And when it comes to wanting to grow spiritually, be better connected spiritually, we spend time with God. And it's free. And when it comes to reading your Bible, it can be done as quickly as it can. Second Corinthians 3.18. Second Corinthians 3.18 says, to paraphrase basically, by beholding you become changed, meaning what you focus on and what you spend a lot of time on rubs off on you. And I was just speaking with somebody here earlier, and I won't say who, but it's this side of the room, and the person was, uh, their, their spouse was saying, oh yeah, my husband, he's, he just got a new Jeep given to him, and it's really cool fixing it up, we're going to go mudding, and, and it, it sounds like a lot of fun, and, and she was giving him a, a, a loving uh, hard time about how his hands looked, and it, always remind, it reminded me of my, some of my family members, because they worked with their hands too, and w when you are working on something, it rubs off on you, and it, it showed up on his hands. And it's the same with God, the same with, with, with humanity. When Moses spent so much time with God up on Mount Sinai, his face was shining like one of these bright lights because that, that presence of God rubbed off on him. I'll give you a story what that's like. <coughs> How God communicates with us and wants to rub off onto us. There, years ago, there was this uh, minister. It wasn't me, but it's a true story. It was another person. And uh, this minister, he was preaching similar. He was preaching about the importance of spending time with God in your Bible and, and how that is one of the most accurate, effective, useful ways to spend time with God and to get to know God is by reading your Bible. And the preacher... He was, he was young, in his 20s, and he had preached the sermon and then uh, just standing at the back, I think, something like that. And, and one of the um, church members came up to him. He was a, a high-level uh, advertising executive. And this high-ranking advertising executive came up to the pastor and his wife. and He said, Pastor, we must live in different worlds. He said, I like God, but he said, I just, I don't have time to be reading my Bible. It must be nice as the pastor that you have nothing else to do with your time. You can just spend your whole day reading your Bible, but I don't have that kind of time. And um, so then, I don't remember the exact list, but he gave this medium, the fairly long list of all the things that he was doing, and going to games and watching ESPN and spending time with his family and friends and having fun and going to the game and doing all these you know, American guy things that were really important to him and working so he can afford his lifestyle. In this, in this young pastor, just in his 20s, was a little taken back, um, but um, he, 
he, he said, well, I know I'm still young, but he said, from my limited experience, he said, as far as I know, whether you're agnostic or atheist or Christian, as far as I know, everybody makes time for what they think is important. And at that, the advertising executive didn't like what he heard, and so he left. And the pastor didn't see or hear from him in a long time. It was, it was over half a year, maybe nearly a year. And um, then the advertising executive and his wife invited the pastor over to lunch one day. And they had lunch, and when they finished, and they got up, and he said, well, I'm going to show you something in another room. So they went to another room, and, and he showed him this, this rocking chair, and he says, you know, you remember when you, when you preached that sermon about encouraging people to read their Bible and how important that was? He said, yeah, yeah, I remember that. And he said, well, you remember how when you encouraged everybody to read their Bible, you encouraged us to find a, a place to do it and a time to do it that worked for you. Not your parents, not your grandparents, not somebody else, but for you. That, that, that looks a little different to everybody. He said, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Why you, why you mentioned that? He says, well, he said, I, I love my, my backyard. It's so peaceful. He says, so I, about a month ago, I bought this rocking chair, and I put it here in front of the window. So I, I'm trying something new. He said, every 30 minutes... Uh, every morning when I wake up, I'll spend 30 minutes just sitting in this rocking chair looking out my backyard, and, and I get my Bible, and I'll spend 30 minutes reading my Bible. And the pastor, getting a little more confidence and courage, said, well, how's it going for you? And the wife didn't even let the husband have a chance. She jumped, she burst in, and she said, oh, it's amazing, it's better than ever. She said, I, I liked him before, but she said, oh, my, she... It's so much better. He's more patient and kind and caring and thoughtful. And, I mean, you know, she just went on and on and on about how much better he was, though she liked him before as well. Oh, and he, he's spending more time with the kids, and it's better quality time, and she just kept going on and on and on about that. So the husband didn't even really have to say much because the wife said it all, how amazing that transition had been. Because he had really done nothing else in his life other than chosen to spend 30 minutes, 30 minutes a day reading his Bible. So then months went by again. I don't remember the exact amount of time, maybe half a, half a year, something like this. And the pastor wanted to have a meal with, or rather the, the advertising executive wanted to have a meal with the pastor again. He said, oh, you've got to come over. We need to chat again. He said, okay. So they went over there again, and they talked, and, and they ate together, and, and then eventually the, the advertising executive kind of gets to his point, and <laughs> he said, well, I, I wanted you to come over because he said, you remember you encouraged me to, you know, read my Bible? Yeah, yeah, so what, what's going on? Well, you know that chair I told you about, that rocking chair where I, I spend time with God every day? Well, when I do that, I, I usually, I, when I read the Bible, then I pray, and as, as I think God's, you know, communicating to me, I write down what I think he's telling me. He said, well, that's great. That's fantastic. He said, well, I think God's telling me I should quit my job. And this was a high-ranking executive that made lots of money. He, he was living the American dream. And he said, uh, not 
only do I think God's telling me to quit my job, I think God is telling me that I, I should go to work for Jesus full time. And um, with that, the pastor jumps in. He says, well, we're a fairly new church, you know. We, we, we don't have a lot of money. We can't afford to pay you. Now he's starting to get nervous again. And he said, well, no, no. He said, I, I don't know how God's going to work it out. But uh, God made it clear that he's going to take care of me. He's going to take care of the situation. And it helps that God has been blessing me so much in the past um, financially that, you know, God will take care of it. He made it clear. And um, about a month or two later, sure enough, the ad executive quit. He was no longer living the high life, no longer living the American dream. He was trying something different. And they did that for many, many, many years. He ended up being leader in that church, helping them grow and develop and bless people's lives. Then after years and years we went by, he invited the pastor over again. They had lunch again. They went over by that rocking chair again. And he shared with the pastor again. He kind of did an overview of all these past years and how God has been speaking through the Bible and what God's been doing. He said, uh, you know, I've got another friend, and this friend, he's also a minister, and he's wanting to start a new church plant in Colorado. And he said, they really don't have any money. And he said, God has made an impression on me as I've been sitting in the same chair reading the same Bible, that God wants me to move over to Colorado with my family and uh, start working in the advertising business again. While I'm there, help start this church and spread the message of Jesus. So that's what he did. <clears throat> the family moved to Colorado. He started working again, but he kept ministering in the church. He donated most of his salary to the church so that they could share Jesus with the community there in Colorado. And they did that for a number of years as well. Until one day in the morning, he as was his habit, as was his custom, uh, he'd be in that same rocking chair, different window this time, same Bible, had his daily devotional, set that down, prayed, then as he finished, he picked up something else to read, but this time it was a report from the doctor, and that report said that he had cancer. same Jesus that had loved him, that had saved him, that was patient with his stubborn Americanism and how he really wanted to follow that American dream that isn't always in line with the biblical dream. God was patient. God loved him whichever dream he was on. But when he started spending time reading the Bible, even though God loved him the same, he started getting benefits. His wife started getting benefits. Their kids started getting benefits. The community started getting benefits when he was spending time with God. God loved him the same the whole time. God communicated with him the, whole, the same time. God gave him peace as he was reading the scriptures. Even when he ended up getting cancer, he still had this, what, what do we 
sing? What do we say? What's that scripture in the Old Testament you can quote it? How God gives us peace beyond all understanding. As he was spending time with God, even when he had cancer, God was able to give him that peace that's, that's hard to explain, hard to describe. But God was able to give him that peace. That pastor from years ago, they asked him to, to give the, the, the message at the funeral, and he did, and when it was finished, he had some quiet time with the spouse, and he, and he asked the wife, he said, I, I'm really curious, what are you going to do with that rocking chair? What's your plans? And she said, well, it was always my husband's idea and my idea that we pass it on to our kid. Obviously, it had been enough years, the kid was older, but they wanted to pass on that tradition and that reminder of how important it is to spend time with God and how that can shape and mold your life. And they wanted that to continue to pass on to their son. John chapter 17, verse 3. <coughs> Jesus is abundantly clear. John 17, 3, he says, This, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, One wonderful thing about God is he's omnipresent, which is just a big fancy word meaning God is everywhere. And since we have the blessing, the added blessing of technology, we can read a Bible, paper, or electronic anywhere. Anywhere. We have less excuses than anybody in, that, that has ever been alive in history. You can open up your smartphone, and you can get the Bible in Portuguese, in Spanish, in Russian, in German, dozens of translations in English, <coughs> all kinds of translations. You can listen to it as you're going to work. You can listen to it as you come back from work, on the bus, when you're walking the dog, as you're exercising, washing your dishes, at the beach, at the mountains. You can read it. You can hear it. You can have the Bible wash over you almost any time in almost any location. Just like any relationship, if we want to grow closer to somebody, it helps to spend time around them, to listen to them, to listen to what they like, what they don't, what they enjoy, to learn what they appreciate. It's the same with God. As we spend time with God in the Bible, we get to know Him better. The Bible is the most reliable, accurate, consistent ways to get to know what God is like. And it's very, very similar to human relationships. When you're first dating somebody and you first get married, oh man, you can't talk to him enough. You can't be around him enough. And you're around that other person, and oh, and they smell, you know, depending if you're a boy or girl, then oh, you, you can even kind of almost smell their perfume or their clone the rest of the day. And oh, I'm still thinking of so and so, and it just affects your whole day. Oh, I can't wait till I get to talk to him again. And it's the same thing with God. As, as we spend time with God, even after we close that Bible, when we spend that quality, intimate time with God, <clears throat> when we do that, God has a way of, of rubbing off onto us. So even after we close the Bible, he still kind of lingers in our mind.
And so he continues to make that impression on our mind as we go throughout the rest of our day. He keeps leading and guiding us and reminding us what he likes, what he doesn't, what makes our life better, what makes our life worse. There is no perfect time and how much time should you spend in the Bible. There is no perfect answer. Five minutes, 10, 20, 30, 40, one hour, there is no magical perfect time. Some say, well, it's good for spend one minute for every hour of the day, 24 minutes, or for everybody that might look a little different. But the, if we do spend time with God reading our Bible every day, the dividends are huge now and for eternity. Jesus says clearly this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. <clears throat> and in no way, no way, shape, or form is God trying to talk about information or facts. Jesus is not talk talking about the Western American way of knowing information. <clears throat> and it's very obvious for a few, few reasons. One, no one is saved by their works, and two, if we were saved by the information we know, you know who would be saved? Satan. Satan knows more than all of us put together. And he's not saved. Knowing information doesn't save us. Well, I wonder what heaven would be like. Satan knows he was there. Well, I wonder what it would be like to, to, to touch God. Satan used to touch him, but he's not saved. I wonder what it would be like to, to be in the most holy place where God's presence and the Shekinah glory and it just, oh, wow. Well, Satan was there, but he's not saved. Well, I wonder what it would be like to be perfect. Satan used to be, but he's not saved. Wouldn't that be cool to be in the Garden of Eden? Well, Satan used to be, but he's not saved. I wonder what it would be like to have been at the cross for those last 24 hours of Jesus' life. Wouldn't that have been amazing? Satan knows he was there, but he's not saved. Wouldn't it be cool? I mean, that really would be interesting to understand the book of Daniel. Satan knows it by memory, but he doesn't like God. Oh, pastor, well, we're getting near the end of the world. I mean, it's, it, we can't be too far off. I mean, everything's falling apart. Wouldn't it be nice to know about the book of Daniel and Revelation? In, in the not-distant future, we'll be having some seminars and Revelation here. Wouldn't it be nice to know some of that stuff? Satan knows Revelation better than you know your own name. He knows the charts, the days, the prophecy, He's got it all. You know, one thing he doesn't have, he doesn't have Jesus. He does not like God. James chapter 2, verse 19. James 2, 19 says, <clears throat> basically, uh, James is saying, you believe there's a God? Great. So does Satan and the demons. Simply knowing that there's a God is just a tiny speck. The third of the angels knew that there was a God. They didn't like him. You know who else knew there was a God? Everybody before the flood. They all knew there was a God. There was angels at the Garden of Eden. It was, they were right there. But they all died because they didn't like God. Simply knowing he exists 
doesn't do much. If you know God exists and you don't like him, all that does is create a problem. If you don't like him, it'd be better if he didn't exist. Jesus is not talking about head knowledge and information and factual things. When you have time later in a mature setting, look in your scriptures in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. When Adam knew Eve, when Adam slowed down and had a candlelight and a nice meal, and, 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 and Adam took time to know Eve, it's the same word, Nine months later, they had a kid. The Hebrew mind, the Hebrew culture, the Jewish thinking, to know is not like America. I'm going to go to a library and memorize stuff so I can pass the test. No, 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 no. In the Jewish mind, when you know something, it's close. It's Adam and Eve, and nine months later, they had a child. It's close. It's personal. It's intimate. Very close, personal, intimate. Something done with two people that love each other a whole bunch. That's what Jesus has in mind here in John 17, 3. When he says, this is eternal life, that you know the true Father in Jesus. It's close, it's personal, it's intimate. You really care about them. You appreciate them. This is what he's referring to. In the most consistent, reliable, easy way to get to know God is by reading our Bibles even just a little bit every day. I mean, what are we going to, what's our excuse when life is over? Man, I got busy. I worked overtime. Well, how's that going for you versus eternal life? Man, I, I was watching this show. Uh, I, I don't even know what's a cool show these days. I don't have uh, cable television. I was watching a cool show years ago. It was 90210. Then it was Friends. And then it was Seinfeld and Game of Thrones as they're talking about dead people and all these crazy things. Is that going to be our excuse in America when we just miss it? Man, I was watching television or I was watching the Dallas Cowboys lose again. Is that really going to be our excuse? Man, I, there were so many cool things happening. Oh, I was TikToking. I was texting my friends. It was so crazy. You missed eternal life so you could get on this dumb phone again. What's happening to us? I own one. I'm not saying burn your phone, but it's like, what's happening to us? Do we, do you, do we have time for Jesus? Ten minutes a day. I've had people tell me, well, I'm dyslexic. I don't like to read. And yet they passed these huge, spent half a year testing so they could get some amazing certificate. So they could make money and improve their business. But they can't read for Jesus. Even if you can't, that's okay. These things will read to us. It will read to you. And it'll, you can even pick the accent you want. In so many of our areas of life, we take time for what's important to us. I know we're busy. We're all busy. But we have the choice to be busy doing what we 
think is important. The average human being spends three hours of their day at least eating so you can physically live until the next time you eat. The average human being spends eight hours a day or more at work so we can afford this big schedule that we stuff things into. The average human being sleeps eight hours a night so they can recuperate from all the things that they just have to do during the day. And the one thing that makes your life better now and forever and ever and ever and ever and after two billion years and, and I, hear me on this, I, I'm, this is, I'm being silly, but there's some seriousness to it. After two billion years, when you almost, when you almost think, man, this eternal life thing could almost get a little boring. This is two billion years. You could take another two billion just to think about what you should do for the next five billion. That wouldn't be boring. Because you'll be alive forever and ever and ever and ever having one day after another of the best day of your life. Only, only surrounded by people who think you're amazing and awesome, build you up, and are just are overwhelmed by the privilege of being able to be around you that day. It is so amazing, and it will be for so long, we can barely imagine it. And some human beings will miss it. Not because they're out killing people, raping people, doing crazy stuff. Satan makes sure some people don't do that, because if they did, it would be so crazy they'd wake up. Some people will miss it because they're just simply doing the American thing, and they're doing okay. They're nice, they think. They're moral, they think. And they're ethical, they think. Like the people before the flood, like the people that were around Jesus. Some of them could even be church people, but they're just so busy. They, they never made time to get to, as Jesus puts it, they never took time to know God. Life is challenging. It's busy for everybody. There's good distractions and there's bad ones, and life is full. But you're here today because you want to know Jesus. You want to hear him. You want to not create something necessarily. I would imagine most of you have that. You want to continue to have that experience. My encouragement today would be continue to be one of those rare people that takes time to spend it with Jesus. Do it in the way that works for you. Some do it when they're in their garden. Some do it when they're walking their dog. Some when they're cleaning the dishes. Do it in a way that works for you. Do it in a way that works for you because you will reap benefits and rewards that will blow your mind and the people around you. And it will continue for eternity 
because you just took a chance and spent time with Jesus and said, I think if I spend a little time around him, it's going to rub off on me. And it will. John 17, 3, Jesus said, This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. We get that eternal life by having a relationship with God the Father and Jesus. It's totally free. And you can even do it with just simply a few minutes a day. Let's call some prayer together. Father in heaven, as we've just been reminded by the song, we want to stand in you, Christ. That's why we're here today. We're, thank you, we're thankful that you have given us that privilege by faith. And we ask that as we leave this place and every day moving forward, that we would continue to have ourselves in you more and more and more. Just as our stomach gets hungry several times a day and you help us feed it, it's our desire that you would give us, that you would give us this, this hunger, this starving to read our Bible and listen to it. Yes, we're busy. This is a room, and there's people online that are amazing, and they're busy because amazing people, uh, people want amazing people's time. So, of course, we're busy. But, Lord, we ask you to help us 